Hey guys, welcome to the Clean Simple Free Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Fox. This podcast depends on listener support, so I'd like to thank Clean Simple Free's newest supporter by giving a shout out to Josefa Garcia. I really hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, but thank you so much for your contribution. I'd also like to thank everyone who is currently supporting the podcast. Your donations are greatly appreciated, so I'd like to give a big virtual hug to each and every one of you. If you'd like to become a supporter, click the link in the show notes to support Clean Simple Free starting at just 99 cents per month. My guest this week is Sharon Schneider, author of Handbook for an Integrated Life. Her book discusses aligning our everyday life choices with our internal values. This was such a fantastic interview, and I feel her thoughts really align with the views that Clean Simple Free shares on sustainable shopping and intentional living. You don't want to miss this one, so stick around. I'm Sharon Schneider. I'm a philanthropic advisor to sort of what they call ultra high net worth families, as well as a kind of impact consultant to businesses and um, founders that are trying to integrate impact across their uh, entire enterprise. So I think of my consulting work as sort of the luxury version um, and the book um, handbook for an integrated life is like the retail version for everyday people, but it's really all the same kind of ideas. Mm, okay. I like that. The retail version. <laughs> <laughs> now tell me about the title of your book, handbook for an integrated life, a practical guide to aligning your everyday choices with your internal compass. What is an integrated life? Yeah. So I think we don't often put together the word integrated with integrity, but I think they both really are getting at the same thing, which is about consistency of who you are when nobody's looking, you know, bringing the same values and the same things to every part of your life. And so an integrated life is one where instead of siloing off your values for, let's say, the 5% you donate to charity, you say, how can I take those same values and integrate them into other parts of my life that I make decisions about every day? So maybe it's my eating choices, my clothing choices, my celebrations, my work, what I do with my you know, money when I'm not using it. There's, there's actually many, many ways we can take that same value and express it without necessarily spending more or giving away more, but um, just in the things we're already doing in our life. So it's called Handbook for an Integrated Life too, because it's uh, intended to be really practical for people to have continuous set of baby steps, you know, to start where you are and take one step and just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Now you mentioned charity. There's something uh, that I read about you that you don't believe in charity, which I find really interesting. Oh, I think that's a misunderstanding. I say I don't believe in giving back. In giving back. Okay. The reason I say I don't like the phrase giving back is because it implies that you take something first right? That the the proper order of things is take, acquire as much as you can for yourself. And then at some mysterious future point where you have enough. And, you know, believe me, I I know many, many people who never experience enough. Then you will, you know, magnanimously take a small part of what you have accumulated and give it back. And I think the, the problem with that is the way we accumulate all that for ourselves is causing the problems, right? A lot of times we allow 
companies or individuals to sort of be extractive and exploitive because they're, you know, it's capitalism, they're earning money, but it's causing the problems that we then turn around and say, oh, I'll give back, you know, 5% to go solve them. But that's obviously not been working for us. So what I say is don't give back, just give, just give today where you are with what you have rather than waiting for that future moment. Great. Yeah. Well, my mistake and how interesting that giving back and charity are so synonymous. Um, yeah, <laughs> that I it, yeah that it, exactly. It's a very common phrase. And I, you know, it's, it's, it's everywhere in appeals to donate. But again, I think it's, it's like a bandaid, you know, on a, I don't know, car accident. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Back to the integrated life. How does an integrative life play out in your own day-to-day life, for example? Yeah, well, I mean, a good example for me is I've been more and more conscious of where my food comes from. You know, whether you're interested in animal protection and how animals are treated or the environment, you know, in terms of pollution and wastewater or workers' rights, there's so many ways that our food intersects with values that we might hold. And so I've been on a journey myself to like slowly be more conscious about where I get my food in as well as what food. So uh, I'm not vegetarian. My daughter is um, at this point, but we did switch to getting our um, eggs and what meat we do eat, which is a lot less than it used to be, but from a local co-op. So they, this morning delivered, you know, three dozen eggs and a pot roast, uh, which is part of my, you know, meal plan for the, for the week. And so I think, Eating is like one of those areas that we do three times a day um, and make a ton of decisions about, you know, what we're going to consume from home, whether it's a chain, whether it's a, you know, mom and pop restaurant, whether it's organic, whether it's not. So, you know, that's a lot. It can feel overwhelming if you try to do it all at once. And so I try to kind of, again, lay out, you know, baby steps that are like, okay, maybe the first thing is, you know, I'm going to try to eat more local. Or, you know, maybe the first thing is I'm going to pick locally run restaurants, um, you know, and and mom and pop kind of places over chains Mm -hmm. um, when I can. So uh, for me today, that's that was the delivery from the (laughs) from the co-op this morning, um, leaving the pot roast on my front porch. Yeah, well, I like that a lot. And I think it's interesting that you say it's overwhelming if you do it all at once. In this podcast, I have so many people on that give great suggestions like changes in our buying habits that we can make and different eco-friendly tips and tricks. And it can be very overwhelming to implement all of those changes. Do you have a suggestion of um, just like for the people listening right now, small changes that they can make to help create a world that works for everyone? I mean, I would say, you know, read the book for sure, because there's lots of little (laughs) steps, but one of the principles, so the first half of the book is seven principles that I lay out, because I think it's helpful to have a framework from which to make decisions. Decision fatigue is a real thing. So if every meal you're going like, oh, what's the best option? What should I eat? What should I not eat? Whereas if you just say, I'm a vegetarian, or I only eat meat at dinner, or I always try to go to a local restaurant. So there's something helpful about just developing a couple of principles for yourself. Um, but one of the principles actually that, that I articulate is what I say, embrace yes and to keep making progress. Mm-hmm. So yes and is actually something that comes from improv comedy where they say to make a scene work, you got to agree with what the other person is sort of you know going with or, or going for and add something of your own. 
And I say, you know, we can do this in terms of our own existing habits. It's find something you're doing now that you feel good about. For example, with grocery shopping, I was taking my reusable shopping bags and I felt good about that. And then um, realized that I was still taking those little thin plastic film bags and putting all my nice local organic produce right into those bags. And so I added some mesh produce bags and just added them into my routine. And so now I have my mesh produce bags inside of my reusable grocery bags. And it was just like, take another step. And then once I had those, it was like, oh, can I get bulk apples instead of bagged apples? Can I get bulk potatoes instead of bagged potatoes? And just sort of um, chipping away at the at the progress and and uh, getting yourself closer to where you want to be. So it's like you want to say embrace, yes, success. I'm doing this good thing, but also that doesn't mean you stop there and say, okay, I'm done. But you say, what's the next step that I can take along the road to sort of my ideal self that is, you know, somewhere down the future for for most of us. There's there's a gap, including myself. I'm by no means, you know, perfect at all this, but just continually trying to shrink that gap a little at a time. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. And welcome back to the episode. In your press kit, you mentioned putting a new twist on sustainability and changing the conversation from buying organic to buying less. Why is this such an important distinction? Yeah, I think a lot of sustainability and and environmental folks talk about like buying organic, fair trade. Those are great things. But I think that should be like question number four, you know, that you're asking yourself about a purchase. Because question number one should be, do I really need this thing? Do I need another sweater, another purse? another, you know, thing around my house, like a new gadget. I mean, no matter how green the item is, if you don't need it, it's not a sustainable and environmentally friendly thing to do to purchase something. And so for me, I developed like a a purchasing hierarchy, which is question number one is, do I really need this thing? And, And a lot of the time the answer is, nah, no, I really don't. I mean, unless you're Beyonce walking the red carpet, do you need another dress? You know, even Serena Williams just wore the same outfit for both of her U.S. Open matches. So I'm just saying, if you really do need something, then the question, the next question is, do I have to own it? You know, could I borrow it? Could I rent it? And, you know, I think like for for people that are homeowners, there's a lot of equipment or, or even renters with a lawn, I suppose. But there's a lot of equipment, you know, that you can borrow from your neighbor or borrow from the hardware store, whatever the case may be. And then the the next question is, okay, I can't borrow it um, because I really need to, you know, have it permanently. Then it's, can I get it gently used? So, you know, with our clothing, for example, consignment or or thrifting or just secondhand options as opposed to new. And there's a lot of brands that are even developing their own kind of branded online secondhand stores, which I think is fantastic. And then, and then if you still can't get it gently used, then let's talk about, is it fair trade? Is it organic? You know, is it, um, you know, produced locally? And then if you can't get, you know, those qualities in, in the new item, at least get something that is well-made so that you can pass it on, right? So that it will last. When you, when you put it in that framework, again, that the fundamental core of sustainability is just reducing our overconsumption. Yeah, definitely. Um, I really like this purchasing hierarchy you know, this podcast is about 50% about minimalism and living clutter-free, and the other half is about eco-friendly or more sustainable choices we can make 
And I feel like that purchasing hierarchy kind of marries the two topics that this podcast covers. And that those are really good questions to ask ourselves. So I like that. Thank you. About the seven foundational principles, can you give us an overview of what those principles are or would it be best for us to just go out and buy your book? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do yes and. <laughs> um, I could definitely give you a, um, an overview, but but the book is obviously, and, and by the way, it's, I'm told it's a very quick read, like it's it kind of clips along. But, you know, the, the first principle really is about being aware and, and understanding how mainstream culture may be pulling you away from your values and your intentions. And, you know, this is like, you know, how many articles do you see that, that are like, oh, the 10 must have pieces for fall? or the 15 items you need to move to your new apartment. You're like, really? I need to buy 15 items to move my stuff to a new apartment? Like it's, it's just a constant message to consume and also to put yourself first, maximize and kind of always prioritize your own convenience. So that's another one of the principles, which as I say, resist the allure of convenience. You know, we've sort of been sold this as a, as a country in the United States that the best thing a product can do for us is be convenient. And it, it allows us to kind of push other values down that we might otherwise prioritize, like worker rights, environmental issues, because like, oh, it's so easy. It's so convenient. And so I think being just conscious of when you really need the convenience, because like maybe you're a single mom and you're running your kids from one place to the next and you need to stop at, you know, fast food, whatever, like do what you got to do, mama. Like I'm, you know, not, not judging you, but when you have a little more time or a little more money or a little more effort to give, then choosing to do the, you know, thing that might require a little more of you, but have more of an impact and be more in alignment with your values is how we can really make a difference. So I say sometimes it's worth paying that little convenience tax to live into your values. Another one we talked about, embrace yes and. We already talked about um, don't give back, just give. Um, that's one of my favorites. And and walk lightly in the world is another one, which is very much the buying hierarchy and some of those just being conscious of your consumption of resources and making sure, again, that it's a purposeful choice and not a unthinking default of how you behave. And then the last one I say is know your power. And know your power is about the idea that, again, a lot of people think what they have to work with is maybe the dollars they donate to charities. It's like, you know, using 5% of your brain power, right? They say humans only use 5%. And imagine if you turned on 100%. Well, what's the other 95% in terms of the power you have to uh, have impact and live into your values? It is everything from all the other dollars going through your budget. So if 5% is going to charity, what about the 95%? Again, that's going to food, that's going to clothing, that's, that's going to your mortgage. You know, what's your bank doing with your money? Are they using it to build the next pipeline? You know, is that what you want to happen with your money? Like you have choices there, right? Your phone company, your entertainment budget. There's so many ways you can activate not only the rest of your budget, but, you know, you have a social network, you have skills, you know, a professional network. So it's really about kind of doing an inventory and feeling empowered when you realize how much you really have to work with beyond that 5%. Right. Okay. Well, thank you so much for that overview. I have begun reading your book. I really like it so far. I want to go back to walking lightly in the world. 
What might that look like for the average person on just a typical day? I think it's interesting. Somebody told me that middle-aged people are going to have a lot more trouble with this issue because they've already kind of set up their world to be sort of car-centric and, you know, resource-intensive. <laughs> you know, it may be true. They, they were saying, you know, people in their 20s or early 30s are maybe more um, at this stage. But really going back to what, what I said about making the consumption of resources an intentional rather than a automatic, you know, feeling like it's your birthright, feeling instead like it's a privilege to do. And so it could mean if you need to, you know, hop over to the store saying, is it, is it walkable or is it bikeable? Do I have to drive there or just consolidating trips? You know, a lot of the, a lot of the, again, choices we make are dependent on the built environment we live in. And it does take a little bit more effort and adjustment, you know, to slowly kind of become less resource dependent. But it's also just about buying, you know, stuff that you don't need. So maybe you pass up extra sweater that's on sale at the um, fast fashion place. You just kind of say, eh, I don't really need those things. You know, there's, there's many choices within our day-to-day lives, you know, that are opportunities to not consume resources that you probably cover all the time, you know, turning off your light switch, keeping your thermostat a couple degrees. And, and, you know, I will say, Ashley, that a lot of times people kind of go, yeah, that's not going to like save the world. You know, you, you choosing to forego a plastic straw is not going to solve our environmental crisis. So what's the point? And my answer to that is, You're right. It's probably not. But I think that's the wrong bar by which to judge our actions. And I think the right bar, and maybe you saw the first line of the book is, I'm not doing this to save the world. I'm doing it to save myself. Because the point is for me to feel like I am in alignment with my values in the choices that I'm making every day. So by that bar, choosing to forgo the plastic straw, to walk instead of drive to the store for an errand, to uh, put on a sweater instead of turning up the heat. Those are choices that make me feel good and mm-hmm. joyful, whether it's, whether it saves the world or not. It's not about that. That's the wrong bar that I think leaves you feeling disempowered and depressed even. Like, what does it matter? I know that I've had those thoughts like, oh, well, it's not going to hurt. Not so much that I'm not choosing to do the more eco-friendly thing, but sometimes it's like, "Uh, it's okay. I'll just get this, you know, single use water bottle this one time. And I like that you say that it's choices that make you feel empowered rather than choices to save the world, because I can see how it might get disheartening or discouraging kind of like what you said, what's the point? What are these small changes really going to help over the the long haul? So I like that. By the way, I think we do have to give ourselves grace. Sometimes we need that one time water bottle, right? (laughs) Um, But I think if it's the exception and not the rule, what I say is when you have something you, you even call in your own mind a guilty pleasure, well, what is the guilt telling you? You know, the guilt is telling you, yeah, this is in in alignment with the values I purport to hold. Mm. And so is it really a pleasure (laughs) (laughs) if it makes you feel guilty? You know, if if you're in a situation and you got to use that one time plastic, I mean, do what you got to do. But to kind of dismiss every effort as meaningless is sort of a nihilistic point of view. Sure. I'm curious to know what prompted the desire to begin writing a book. That's not an easy task. (laughs) 
<laughs> Boy, it is not. Um, you know, I blogged for a long time and it was called The Philanthropic Family. And it's where I really developed a lot of the ideas about, you know, you're more than a checkbook. You have all these other assets. But it wasn't until I had been in-house with a bunch of families, like working for a foundation or working for a family office. And then I ended up leaving at the end of 2020 as many did. And then I was like, hey, now I can speak for myself. And that really set me down the path. Fortunately, I had a lot of source material to work with. And I will say, you know, if I had written this book 10 years ago, I don't think it would have been nearly as good and as thought through because it really is the culmination of a lot of years of, of thinking and practicing and just being in this space. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know, it just seems like just in my lifetime, I'm in my 30s, there has been more of a shift towards eco-friendliness and sustainable shopping. We're seeing slow fashion companies kind of come to the rise a little bit more. You know, maybe it was more well-received at this time too. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, it's, it's interesting because it feels like it's becoming more bifurcated. You know, that there is exactly what you said, the rise of slow fashion, slow food, slow, you know, slow money is like all of these things are people rejecting the last, you know, 30 years of fast food, fast fashion, fast culture, fast money. And yet there's still a lot of people <laughs> that are shopping and consuming in that way. Americans, especially, I mean, in the American lifestyle is something like 20 times more resource intensive than other countries because we just consume mindlessly. Right. And so it feels to me like there's an increasingly divergent, like either you go down the keeping up with the Kardashians path, mm -hmm. or you go down this slow movement kind of path, like we're increasingly just consuming different media. And just like many other issues, not even existing in the same space. So I guess it's all about knowing your power as you choose which path to walk down, right? <laughs> and, yeah. And which circles to hang out in. You know, I have a lot of people say like, do you think you're normal? <laughs> do you think like, essentially, they're saying, you know, do you think a lot of people want to live like you and think like you? And, and by the way, like, I don't make my own clothes and grow my own food and live on a homestead, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I live in the middle of Denver, Colorado, but, but I said, well, it depends on who you hang out with. So like in my circles, yeah, I'm not, I'm not weird. I'm not like extreme. And so as they say, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And so where are you spending your time online and in person and intellectually? What seems normal depends on what ideas you hang out with. Yeah. And you can pursue a sustainable life without growing your own food or. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hope so. Cause I'm a terrible gardener. <laughs> oh my gosh, me too. I joke around that I have a, a black thumb or whatever the opposite of a green thumb is. Where can listeners buy your book? I know it's on Amazon. Is it available elsewhere? Yeah, I have a whole like hang up about it being on Amazon because I don't think there could be anything worse for this country than Amazon truly um, has turned out to be. But it is there because they sell more books than anybody else. I would say go to theintegratedlife.com and if you click on book, there's um, a list of places you can buy it. It's also available in bookstores, you know, wherever books are sold. But if you want to buy it from an indie bookstore, the, um, there are sources there to help find it, as well as the link to Amazon or, or Target or wherever. So if you go to theintegratedlife.com, you'll find it.
Okay, great. And if people want to get in contact with you, is that where they should reach out if they want to be like, hey, I love this book. It changed my life. <laughs> oh, that they should leave on Goodreads <laughs> as a review. That would be great. But yeah, if they want to get in touch, um, you can also find me on LinkedIn where I have a newsletter that is specifically about an integrated life at work and about how do we live into our values in the workplace. So you can sign up for that newsletter. It's every two weeks published through LinkedIn as well. Well, that about does it for my questions. Before we wrap up the interview, is there anything I missed or anything you'd like to add? Not that I can think of. I think this has been a great overview. And um, thank you so much for sharing the integrated life with your listeners. That wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and special thanks once again to Sharon. She was such a wonderful guest, just so kind and charismatic to chat with. Check out her book at theintegratedlife.com or click the link in the show notes. Remember that you can message me with your questions so I can discuss them as topics on the podcast. If you've got a dilemma or something to declutter and you're wondering where to start, message me with any of your questions and I will dive right into them in a future episode. You can reach out by email at clean.simple.free at gmail.com or reach me on Instagram at clean.simple.free. Thanks again for listening and remember, clean spaces make for a more simple way of life. And when life is simplified, your mind will feel free. See you next time.